This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. Please welcome your hosts, Patrick Allen and Matt Verderam. Welcome in. We are our usual uh, late uh, Arrowhead time to the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. Uh, appreciate you all hanging with us while we uh, got our act together. You know, four, four super smart guys sitting that w- it was all good planning. Just making sure we give you guys a good show. Uh, Sterling Holmes, Matt Connor, Matt Verderam, Patrick Allen here to preview the Bills and the Chiefs. Got a lot to talk about today uh, as we head into this final, uh, not final, hopefully, um, playoff game, but the, the Chiefs are playing the final game of the week. So it's going to be interesting. How's everybody doing today? Doing good. Great. I, I wonder if the, the, the people can guess who we were waiting on. That should be a fun game we do. Oh, you guys guess in the chat about who who was holding us <laughs> up. I think it was, it, was, it was a couple of us. I had some announcements to get through as well. But let's talk about, before we get into everything, I just wanted to talk about the Chiefs. Just, just like a minute ago, it came out that the Chiefs signed to a reserves future con- uh, contract, Damon Arnett. He's a former first-round pick, uh, DB from the Raiders from 2020, played at Ohio State, was a very good player. He was cut by the Raiders earlier this season when everything was just like, it was a complete dumpster fire over there, like more so than usual, right? You had all the stuff with John Gruden and the racist comments. He gets fired. Then Henry Ruggs, drunk driving, killed a woman, absolutely horrific. And then Damon Arnett was on, I think, Instagram Live, some sort of video with a couple of guns talking about how he was going to kill somebody. I don't know who he was talking to or about. And they just cut him at that point. Obviously, everything that was going on with the Raiders. I think there had been some issues in the past. I wanted to get everybody's reaction because as we're going to get to in a second, and hate to start with all this bad news on a playoff week, but here we are. Willie Gay was arrested last night as well. We're going to talk about that. So on a day where Willie Gay was arrested, that's what we all woke up to. The Chiefs signing Damon Arnett. Like, what's, what's y'all's take on that? Like, is this a bad look for the Chiefs? Like, what are they thinking? Uh, let's start with you, Verderam. I mean, yeah, of course it's a bad look. You're linebacker gets arrested the week of a playoff game for damaging a litany of items at a home that is not his. And as far as the court reports show, he's, uh, at least as of this afternoon, was not released yet. was, was still in custody um, in Johnson County. And the Chiefs are going through all that. And then, oh, by the way, brought in Damon Arnett on a futures deal. Like, do they need Damon Arnett? Like, is that something that they needed to do? And... Look, I understand that Fitzveach's M.O. in terms of they love to hoard former first-round picks. They've done that since he's been here, whether it's been Cam Irving or DeAndre Baker or Mike Hughes. None of those guys did something like this. And this isn't even like an allegedly thing. It's on video. So I don't I don't understand if you're the Chiefs. Like, you really you needed that today? You really, and I see, look, you know what? Did, did Willie Gay, according to court reports, like, did he hurt anybody? No. There's a big distinction with that. He didn't put his hands on somebody, okay? You can replace a vacuum. You can replace a It's still not good. It's not all right. That's why I was arrested. But that being said, it's a, it's a bad look for the organization, which let's be honest, over the course of the years here, and I'm talking like recent years, not like 20, 30 years, like recent last five years, they've had some things where they've brought players in who have had issues in the past, whatnot. I have no problem giving people a second chance. That's fine. People deserve second chances in life. But when you go out and you have a morning like they just had, and then you then say, well, let's sign Damon Arnett 
who has some ownership. And by the way, as a player with with the with the Raiders, he stunk. Okay, it's not as though they cut him and he was some great player. He was benched after his rookie season after being a top 20 pick. He was atrocious with the Raiders. So it's not as though he showed this great promise. He didn't. I, I don't I don't love that they went out and signed Damon Arnett. Maybe it works out for him, but it's it's bad optics today. There's no question about that. And they did not sign a guy who had played well previously. Sterling. Yeah, I, I hate it. I don't understand it. It makes zero sense. Again, the same day as Willie Gay Jr. This is what you do, just doubling down. I don't understand the mindset. And again, we all know it's not fair. It's not right. But if just saying, if Jalen Ramsey talent, if that type of guy did something like this, then sure, everyone's going to be thrilled and and come up with ways to go around and say, well, you know, it was an issue here, but he didn't do anything. It was just on video. He didn't act on it. I understand that. But this is not Jalen Ramsey talent. This is Damon Arnett talent. I don't understand why you would bring in a guy who's not a super talented dude. I can, I'm all for the second chance situation. Maybe Andy Reid, Brett Veach, the whole organization had a talk with Arnett and they're moved past it. But I just don't get how this makes sense. It's not worth the, the trouble. You don't want to bring in a whole bunch of poor character guys to an organization that's supposed to be full of high character guys. I understand you're not, you're building a football team. You're not building a church choir. I get that. But at some point, the headache is not worth it. It will catch up to you. This pisses me off, quite frankly. Matt Connor? Yeah, I'm going to be a little bit different here. I, you know, I don't think the Chiefs knew that Pat, that Willie Gay was going to be arrested. And then we're like, you know, let's go ahead and do it too, because we got a great public relations department and they can handle the whole thing. You know, and, and I also don't think they're signing Damon Arnett to expect anything. The guy's going to be one of 90 players trying to make the team. And that's before they add draft picks. That's before they add free agent signings. I, I think clearly the front office at some point recently this week looked at what was going on and decided, you know what, the potential upside play here, despite what we saw on the field in Oakland at the time, now Las Vegas, or then Las Vegas, is is worth the play for us with our coaches, with our culture. Let's give it a shot. It's a one in 90 shot. And chances are he's at, he's off the roster before or after the draft anyway, when they acquire new faces. So, you know, I, like to me, I think you have to take it as a standalone decision. It's unfortunate optics that it lands on the transaction wire right after we've all been thinking and talking about Willie Gay Jr. all day. So, you know, like I don't, I don't want to say, hey, everyone on the Chiefs front office is irresponsible and not thinking about care. No one cares about character and what does that mean for you know, like all these all these decisions are made like on their own. If the dominoes happen to fall together, that's what it is. The PR crews will do what they will. I don't think anyone announced Arnett expecting a home run pick. This is what they do. Reggie Ragland, Cam Irving, Mike Hughes, DeAndre Baker. Let's claim former first draft picks. Let's see what we can get. And if we squeeze any water from it, then great. And if not, well, we didn't lose anything. So I, I, I want to try to separate this. I don't think there's a bigger theme it is what it is. I appreciate that perspective, but I just, I, I totally disagree. The Kansas City Chiefs, and I, look guys, I love, <laughs> I love the Kansas City Chiefs. I love them. And I, I think by and large, they're, they're one of the premier organizations in the NFL that run really well, especially from a football perspective. But when you look back at last season, you're going to the Super Bowl, your coach's kid goes out 
and gets drunk, probably at the facility, maybe, allegedly, right? Drives 80 miles an hour onto an on-ramp, hits, hits a car, rear-ends a car, and now you've got a kid with serious issues fighting for her life, a little kid, right? Then you've got Willie Gay getting arrested the week of the playoffs. A year later, then you're signing guys like Damon Arnett. It's just at a certain point, you have to look at, the, at your organization and be like, you know what, man, like we've got to we've got to make some some tough calls here. And sometimes we got to look at things a little bit morally and be like, you know, what? do, do we is it worth it? Is it worth it? And do we want to have these things keep happening to our organization where it's, you know, a just a terrible, terrible um, look for you publicly and a distraction for your players at a time where you have Patrick Mahomes, you have this incredible quarterback, and you're trying to win Super Bowls. And I don't think that it's worth it. And I think that they need to take a hard look at some of these decisions. Everyone's responsible for themselves. Each individual is responsible for themselves. And you can look at it that way. It's like, yeah, well, this guy did this and this person did this and they're responsible and it's not reflection in the organization. But at a certain point, I think you need to set a tone if you're the Kansas City Chiefs and say, we have a standard here and we're, we believe in second chances and, and, and those types of things. And that's fine. But at a certain point, they just start to pile up and you just are what you are. The perception of you is what it is. We're going to get more into that. We're going to talk about Willie Gay in a second. I, have, I know that I'm having some internet issues. It's going a little slow, so I hope it's not too terrible, but uh, uh, appreciate you guys hanging with me. We're brought to you by KC Beer Co., the Kansas City Beer Company, which I am fired up. I will be there uh, this weekend. Starling and I are heading up there on Saturday. If you want to stop by, we're going to be around there midday. Maybe come and say hi, me and Sterling. I don't, I, I don't know. Should we tell them the exact time or is somebody going to show up with a pipe bomb? Uh, <laughs> it's just to get rid of us. Uh, I hope uh, that reviewer who who hates Jim Rome that much, uh, we should not tell him. I'm scared. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I personally was I was very fired up to find out that we had Jim Rome on the show because you know he's probably kind of expensive and uh, yeah we're in budget. So um, listen, Kansas City Beer Co. They 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 support this podcast and and we appreciate them so much. They've got a really great thing going on this weekend on Sunday. It's going to be an all day event. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're a German-inspired bar so and, and German-inspired brews. So they're going to have the Bundesliga on. They're starting things off at 10 a.m., the day of the Chiefs game. And you could just go and hang out there all day, all the way through the Chiefs game. They're going to start at 11. They're going to have like $10 Bavarian breakfast. Uh, they're going to have beer specials. And they got this great thing outside in the beer garden where depending on how cold it is, you get more money off. So if it's like 55 to 51 degrees, you get 15% off and then it moves down. If it's 40 degrees or below, you get 50% off. I did a little research for you guys in Kansas City for the game. The current forecast is a high of 46 at 2 p.m. So at 2 p.m., you'd be in the 45 to 41 degree range, which is 35% off. But once the game starts, it's supposed to drop to 39. That's 50% off. So bundle up, head to KC Beer Company and, and get half off beer. I mean, what, what more can you ask for? Nothing. I guess a Chiefs victory. I would say Chiefs victory is the one thing you could ask for. But Patrick, you and I, we're going to have some fun on Saturday. Get excited, pal. Oh, well, yeah, this is, I mean, probably the next time that you see us, we will no longer be sponsored by KC Beer because Sterling and I are going to go up there into the brewery and we're probably going to have a few drinks and God knows what's going to happen. All right. Thank you to KC Beer. If you want to support this podcast, reach out to KC Beer Co. at KC Beer Co. on Twitter. Let them know you heard about their brewery and their beer from this podcast. 
that's a, the best thing that you could do for us. Okay, let's get into the discussion topics. We're going to preview cheese bills, but first we got to talk about Willie Gay. I hope everybody can bear with me here. I want to get through some information for everybody just so everyone understands what happened, what the situation is, okay? So from the court report, uh, the prosecutors of Johnson County alleged that Kansas City Chiefs linebacker Willie Gay Jr. committed criminal damage to property, which constitutes a domestic violence offense, according to court documents. Gay, 23, arrested at 10.30 p.m. Wednesday night, booked in the Johnson County jail Thursday morning. He scheduled to appear. He was scheduled to appear, to appear before a judge today at 2.30. That happened. He was charged with a, a misdemeanor charge of criminal damage to property, which constitutes a domestic violence offense. He broke a vacuum cleaner, a cell phone, a wall door, a frame, and a humidifier, allegedly, according to the Overland Park Police. Uh, the damage was $225. The victim, identified as an ex-partner who was not injured, according to the police report, no drugs or alcohol were involved in the incident. Chief spokesperson told the Star on Thursday morning, uh, the Kansas City Star, that they were aware but we're looking into it. Gay's lawyer put out the following. Willie was at his son's house visiting. He and his mother got into an argument during which uh, he broke her vacuum. No one was touched. Nothing happened beyond broken appliances. She called cops about it and they took him in on a misdemeanor destruction of property for less than $1,000. Likely just pays a fine, replaces the vacuum, nothing more. All should be resolved today with no further issues. Obviously, because of this, Willie mispracticed today. Chiefs were asked about it. Steve Spagnuolo said he did not know if Willie Gay would play on Sunday. He said Andy Reid's going to decide that. Reid will talk to the media again tomorrow. Thank you for bearing with me on that. But I think it's important in these situations to get all the facts out so everybody understands what happened. So, all right, let's start with let's start with you, Matt Connor, this time. Uh, what's your take on this whole Willie Gay incident as we head into playoff week? I mean, it's not good. You know, there there are multiple fronts about which to be concerned. And I think all of them, the, the primary ones start uh, off the field, right? I mean, you, you want to be concerned about a domestic situation in which, you know, maybe it would have escalated from the vacuum if cops weren't called to someone to someone's health, um, which is the primary concern. You're concerned about mental health, which, um, you know, Willie has been honest. And, and I think he's been courageously vulnerable in the past, admitting that he is not in a good mental health state, right? Like tweeting something out like that in October um, and, and making it known that he wrestles with that. So there has been some history there in terms of admitted mental health um, concerns. And then of course, you know, then there's the football aspect that we're all concerned about, which is, you know, the bills are coming. Josh Allen can run. Dawson Knox is, is a, is a, is a, above average tight end and probably should be a little bit better known than he is. Um, you know, there are some players there that um, not having gay on the field is if, if that's going to be the case, is going to be a big hurt despite the fact that he didn't play much last week. I, I was scratching my head after last week, wondering where his reps were because he had a wrist issue coming into the week, but he practiced in full every day. So it's not like they were trying to rest him there. So I, I think there's multiple fronts here to be concerned. Uh, you know, we can blow this up like a beach ball at a Buffett concert and uh, and and take it how you will, however you guys want to. But I, I think those three fronts are are interesting and concerning to me. So I mean, look, I'll say this. I think it's important with this stuff not to jump out to any conclusions and stick to the facts. I think we all have learned that over the years. Uh, I know just from covering the league, I have that sometimes, you know, you get pieces of information here and there. Here's what we know, at least what we think we know right now. Willie Gay had a domestic dispute. It did not apparently involve him hurting any one human being. Did not hurt his son, did not hurt the the ex-partner. And to me, look, is it is it 
you know, it's never good to be arrested. It is never good to, you know, you break an appliance. That's a hell of a long way from hitting somebody, from putting somebody in bodily harm, especially when you're the size of, a, of an NFL football player who, whether or not you mean to, you strike somebody, you could really do damage in, in a lasting way. Now, I also want to say this, though. I'm already sick of the people who have responded to me in, in when I've said, you know, just, just even like retweeting something on Twitter. And it's like, well, what about Kareem Hunt? What about, look, look, this isn't Kareem Hunt. Kareem Hunt kicked somebody, okay? And then lied about it to the Chiefs. And the Chiefs, for better or worse, were honest about why they cut him. They cut him because he lied about it. Now, I, I think they should have cut him because he kicked a 19-year-old woman. I don't care what state he was in, but my, my point is that's a lot different than what happened here apparently with Willie Gay. Willie Gay did not injure anybody. I don't know whether he's going to play on Sunday. If I had to take a guess, I would think that he would. I mean, I don't see the – let's put it this way. I don't think the NFL is going to step in and keep him from playing. This is going to be whether or not the Chiefs feel comfortable with him playing in this game. And if we're talking about broken appliances, look, it wasn't it wasn't pretty. I would I would encourage the Chiefs to get Willie any help that he wants or needs. But I don't I do not believe this is a situation where the league will suspend him, the Chiefs will suspend him. It's basically going to be are you in the right mental frame to play in a football game? If he is, I would expect him to be out there playing. This is not Kareem Hunt. This is a totally different deal. Somebody was a physical victim in the Kareem Hunt thing. This woman, thankfully, doesn't appear was a physical victim. That said, it is a serious thing. And stop saying, well, it's just a vacuum cleaner. Yeah, but think about like the actual scenario. And there's a little child involved. Like it's not just, oh, we broke a vacuum cleaner. It's probably scary as hell as that mm. one. So like, let's not also just dismiss it. It's not the same as him hitting someone, thankfully, but it's also not some nothing burger that they shouldn't care about. They should care about it. Willie Gay hopefully cares about it. And hopefully this, this becomes something of a learning experience where this does not happen again. Yeah, the, the fact is, like you guys said, he has said in the past he is working on some mental issues, right? So he's been open about this. This is yep. not something he's been hiding. He needs to get some help then. This this is an anger issue. This is something that came out that should not have happened at all. You shouldn't put yourself in that situation. And again, I'm with you. Well, again, Kareem Hunt kicked someone and then lied about it. And the Chiefs did say he was cut for lying about it. Yep. It is scary. Just picture someone throwing a vacuum at you. Now picture that being an NFL player. You would be scared. I, I don't care who you are. You would be scared. As long as he gets the help that he needs, as long as the situation gets, resol uh, gets resolved, as long as the kid, the, the, the ex-partner is okay, and they can come to amiable terms, this hopefully isn't a huge deal. I do want to say $225 for a vacuum, for a humidifier, for a door and a door frame seems like a hell of a steal. I want the police to come get me a vacuum and all that stuff for $225. Yeah, look. <laughs> Doesn't that seem extremely low? <laughs> yeah, a door frame alone just to get fixed. But look, I, I think... We should look at things, try to look at this as from, from an, like a kind of an even keeled point of view, right? Which I know is really hard for most people these days to just, you know, God forbid anybody take like a, a rational, like measured approach to any situation. Either you got to be all the way over here, you got to be all the way over here. There's no middle ground. There's no black and white. It's a serious issue. It should be taken seriously. It shouldn't be overblown, but it should be taken seriously. There are more forms of abuse than just physical abuse. 
um, you know, terrifying somebody, scaring somebody, screaming at somebody, scaring somebody, you know, that's that, that, especially with a child present, like that can be considered abusive behavior as well. And that's why this is, I think, being classified as a domestic incident. We don't know what happened. It's not even really right to speculate other than what we know, the facts of what we know is that there was some sort of argument and things were broken. And allegedly somebody that his partner or his ex-partner was scared enough to call the police. That's all we know. Right. And he was arrested for it. That's all we know. I'm glad that, that, that nobody got injured and that no one is physically hurt. And I hope that if it's a I don't know, I don't know about Willie Gay's mental health issues, if he has them, if he doesn't, if this had anything to do with it, I don't know. And I think I think it's fair to just admit that and be like, look, you know, if 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 you get into a situation where you get arrested because of something, I hope that that you get the help that you need if if you needed help in a situation like that. I hope everyone's OK on a, on a personal level. So let's we can set that aside. And I think everybody I think everybody can agree with that sentiment, I hope. Um, there are definitely, and I agree with you, Verderim, there are Chiefs fans on Twitter who are all up in arms about the, the, the Tyree kill stuff. And God forbid anybody should even mention that a Chiefs player did something wrong. And then they get, they start going all crazy on people. It's okay to talk about the fact that these things have happened, acknowledge them and acknowledge that they're not a good thing. Right. And hope, and hopefully everything turns out okay. And, 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 and nothing bad ever happens in the future from a football standpoint, Matt, you got something you want to say? No, no. Well said. I was just going to say, look, I just think sometimes the fandom and, and emotions get in the way. And I think you said it perfectly. Look, I, I don't give a shit that he plays for the Kansas City Chiefs. Like, I would say the same thing if this was somebody that I knew. I'd say, look, you need to figure out what's going on because it's not normal behavior to just break a bunch of stuff at somebody's house. Now, it doesn't mean it doesn't mean you're a bad person. It doesn't mean that you're even a, normally a violent person, but it does mean that there's something going on. I hope Willie Gay, whether through the team, through his own volition, Get you know, sits down, figures out what, what what's going on, gets the help that he needs, whatever whatever the situation is. I think sometimes people read stuff like this, and in their head, they just go, "Oh, like, oh, that's okay. It's a broken vacuum." It's like, okay, now picture how that vacuum got broken. Now picture how there's damage to a wall and a door frame. Like that had to be scary as hell, man. Like I'm 33 years old, I'm six foot two, and I'm 220 pounds, and it should scare the hell out of me if someone was wailing a vacuum right now. Look. Thankfully, nobody got hurt. But come on, like this idea that like it just doesn't matter is bullshit. It does matter. Doesn't mean he should be he, he should be condemned as a human being. But it does mean look. Hopefully, Willie gets help. Hopefully, he can have a good relationship with this with this ex partner because apparently he's the mother of his son. Mm-hmm. All right. Think about the kid. Like that all matters. And frankly, it matters more than a football game. It matters more than whether or not your linebacker is going to be out there and nickel. Okay, it just does. And I, it drives me nuts when fans treat it like, well, it doesn't matter. It does just get him out of the fit. No, no, no. Like, look, they're human beings. And if you're a human being, you should care that at least, you know, he gets some kind of maybe, whether, whether or not it be counseling or he just talks to somebody. As, as Matt Connor mentioned, it's been th- he's been very open about the fact that he's had some mental health struggles. So support him. I'm not saying cast him, but support him. But it's, it's, it's in this idea that it just doesn't matter is, is nonsense. It does matter. Thankfully, it didn't escalate to worse than what it was, okay? And nobody got hurt. And you can replace a vacuum. You can fix a door. But it still matters. And it should still be taken very seriously. And hopefully, hopefully, it's a learning experience that everybody involved 
can get better for and move on. And 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 hopefully it, it helps in the future to keep emotions in check and whatnot. Here, here to that. All right. Yeah, uh, apologies. If you, if you hear my dog in the background going crazy, we got a, a delivery here. Um, so, so back to the game, obviously we've got a lot to talk about chiefs bills preview uh, chiefs, a slight favorite, but it's pretty much because they're just at home, right? At this point. So uh, the over under yep. in this game is 53 and a half chiefs minus two, as you know, home team usually gets three. So Vegas as, as Matt put in our last podcast, Vegas is saying that they think that the bills are a little bit the better of a team in this situation. So, um, Let's hit the injury report real quick. For the Chiefs on Thursday, the following did not practice. Willie Gay, because he was arrested. Rashad Fenton, back. Yep. Running back Darrell Williams, toe. Uh, there was also a quote from, from Eric Benemy who talked about Jarek McKinnon. I just wanted to pass along. Um, said he was really happy that Jarek McKinnon, who had gotten buried on the depth chart, is uh, playing well and getting an opportunity. So injuries. How worried are you, uh, Matt Verderam, about Rashad Fenton in this case? Um, concerned. I'm concerned. Uh, and, and by the way, you know, Anthony Hitchens was also limited today with a back injury that just popped up out of nowhere. I'm not overly concerned about that, but it's a back injury. It's never great. Um, everybody else, it seems like is good. Well, Jerry Sneed practice full, Tyree Kill full. Clyde edwards Alaire looks like he's going to play full practice again. And I know people love to be like, oh, Clyde edwards Alaire. Look, if, if Daryl Williams isn't playing, like it's, it's not the worst thing that's ever happened to have Clyde edwards Alaire. So they have him. Fenton and Williams, I mean, look, they haven't practiced two days in a row. I mean, that's that's not that's not great. I'm more concerned about Fenton. I, I think they'll be fine at running back. They just have a lot of guys who are capable. I think they'll be okay. Um, and yes, I think Patrick has gone to try to fix this uh, or to or to deal with his dog one way or the other here. But we'll keep <laughs> the train rolling. Uh, and I'll, I'll take over his role. What are you guys? Are you guys concerned about Fenton at this point? And, and even more to the point, are you concerned about the secondary? No, go ahead, Matt Connor. I'll let you go first. I mean, if if I have any concern, it's Fenton. I don't have any concern about the backfield. You know, we're going to get Clyde yep. back. It looks like at this point, anyone, you know, Damian Williams was like a household name in this offense. Like, you know, let's be real about like what's going to be capable there. So, yeah, you know, it, you know, it's Fenton. Without Fenton, we go to DeAndre Baker. It makes everything that much thinner. Um, you know, when at this point in the postseason, you know, you want you you want full strength at all levels. So I'd be a little bit more concerned if the th- if the thin nature of things were along the trenches. Like that would concern me more. Yeah, uh, that's nothing against Fenton. That's just the nature of of the position in general. But um, but yeah, you know, it's something to watch. And these back issues, it, that's the scariest kind of injury because it just feels so un. It's it's just so hard to predict when something's going to flare up, how long these things will take. I mean, we all like who would have ever thought that Mitchell Schwartz had played his last game when he first left in the first third yep. of last season. You just you know, so you're like, oh, he's got to come back sometime. And then after a while, you're like, well, is he ever going to come? Like, is he going to be back for the postseason? And then now he's not playing anywhere. Um, so I mean, I mean, I'm not saying Rashad Fenton has. Mitchell Schwartz's back injury. I'm just saying the unpredictable nature of these things or the way they can be ongoing with him and Hitchens is, is just concerning. Yeah, Fenton, and like you mentioned, back injuries. Anytime an athlete has a back injury, I automatically get extremely nervous. That is the most concerning part of this. You guys mentioned it already. The backfield, whether it's McKinnon, Clyde, Daryl, Derek Gore to an extent. I'm not worried. They'll find a way to manufacture good runs. They'll find a way to manufacture yards when it comes to those guys, however they break down the carries. 
But yeah, Finn and I am a little concerned because it's a back injury and you don't want it locking up, especially in the cold. Sure, if it was 73 degrees, it might be a little looser. It's going to be 20 degrees, cold, 30 degrees. Your back has a better chance of locking up. And like you said, more Mike Hughes, DeAndre Baker. That does make me nervous because Rashad Fenton has done a very, very good job all season long. Fenton makes me nervous here. Anytime you go up against a team which has many weapons as the Bills, you want to be at full strength, especially in the secondary. Back issues are just absolutely terrifying for pro athletes, for, for anybody in general, because you can't do a damn thing if you have them, um, let alone play you know professional sport at the highest level. So, all right, well, let's talk about this this particular match. And then we get the injury stuff out of the way. Hopefully, Fenton can get back and get on the field. Last time the Chiefs and the Bills played, I think everyone remembers, Bills 38, Chiefs 20. This was way back in October. Not good. Although I was looking back at the at the play-by-play, and I was curious as, as to how you guys remember this game, because it was a while. And I was really shocked to find, looking back, that it was actually like the Chiefs were still in the game relatively late in the game. They cut it to an 11-point lead, and then the, the, the defense just couldn't stop the Bills. They went on like a 12-play drive. They scored, went up big, and then the Chiefs, and then the Chiefs had a bunch of turnovers. But the Chiefs were moving the ball on the Bills. They were... They had some turnovers in Bills territory and, and so on and so forth. So, uh, Matt Verderam, what what do you remember about that game? Is it was it as bad as the final score indicates to you, or do you think maybe it's not as bad as it looked? I remember a lot because I've watched it three times this week. So you're, I went back. I just want to say, I just want to say, quite. you're sick. You're sick. That's sick. You watched it three times. I'm not well. Uh, <laughs> well, because I watched it. So I watched it once on the broadcast on Monday night. It's the regular TV condensed version. Tuesday, I watched it with the Chiefs uh, as coaches film from their offense. And then Wednesday, I did it from the defensive side. So I wanted to get an idea because I knew we were going to be doing this. Look, they got their asses kicked in that game. Like, I I don't think that game was any closer than the score. They were down 31-13. They made it 31-20. They immediately gave up another seven points, 38-20. But they they got beat. Now, I will say this. Well, and I I see Mr. Schwamp, who, by the way, I know you're always here, man. Thank you, sis. It wasn't, if you remove the Dan plays, the D numbers are pretty good. Okay, yeah. Well, I mean, and if I I put two extra engines in my Jeep, it'd be a Corvette, but it's not. I mean, look, it... They, 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 that was part of it. Now, I get the point, though, right? Like, it's a much different defense, and I hear you. But in that game, we're just talking about that game. They got killed in that game. They, and it was a lot of things. Like, Sorensen was atrocious, and he was the biggest culprit that night. They couldn't get any pressure. Allen ran for over 60 yards before he knelt down. He ended up with 59 overall. Although, fun fact in that game, Mahomes actually ran for more yards than Allen. Take that for what it's worth. The Chiefs did not have Jones. They did not have Ward. Of course, they didn't have Ingram. Thornhill was there, but he played limited snaps. Sorensen played 100% of them. Willie Gay was coming off IR. He played limited snaps. Of course, we don't know what he's going to be doing this week now. I think the Chiefs have a very good chance of winning this game on Sunday night. But that game, they got killed. Now, here's the good news. Offensively for the Chiefs, I went back and watched the Bills played two high safeties, 15 yards off the line of scrimmage almost every single play. Almost every play. There was one play early where they had a single high safety, and Mahomes went deep to Kelsey, had him wide open for a 40-50 yard gain, and he overthrew him. And right after that, they played too deep the entire rest of the first half. I would expect that the Bills will do something similar. They do not have Tredavious White this time around. They had him in the first game. Teron Johnson played Hill one-on-one at times. They also put White. Whenever White was on on Hill, it was usually Hill being on the outside, the perimeter. When they motioned Hill inside, then Teron Johnson took him in the slot. I would expect to see the Chiefs 
put Hill on the outside and force some kind of a double. Look, I think Kelsey can have a big game. Edmonds and Milano, especially Milano, good linebackers, but I don't think either one of them is guarding him one-on-one. They tried to do that last year in the AFC title game. Kelsey went nuts. I think you're going to see a lot of zone from the Bills underneath. I think without White, they can't do that. Now, we'll get into all that stuff later. My point is the Chiefs got beat, and I think they got handily beat. The biggest thing I noticed was the pressure was not there from the Chiefs, a lot of that without Chris Jones and Ingram. And also, and finally, the Bills played that game with a lot of intensity. You go back and watch that game, the Bills played like it was a playoff game. The Chiefs played that game like it was week five. They're going to have to be able to do some more things. And it starts up front. And I think if they can do that, they can win. I would say, first off, yeah, I don't I don't think Dan Sorensen's playing 100% of snaps this he time around. Not, no. I think Spags will have a better game plan for Sorensen this time around. He got cooked the entire game. Dawson Knox made him, well, look old. We'll put it, we'll put it nicely. Made him look old. No Chris Jones, no Chavarius Ward, so you're missing your best cornerback. You're missing your best pass rusher. Uh, no Melvin Ingram. That was Willie Gay Jr.'s first game back, if I'm correct. Nick Bolton hardly played at all in that game as well. I get it that the Bills are a different team now, but the Chiefs are such a different team than they were in that Week 5 game. Yep. Yeah, they got their ass kicked. They couldn't figure out cover two early on, like you said, but if you look at what they did against the Steelers, what they've done previously the past few weeks of the season, it looks like they've uh, figured it out. 10-plus plays of 20-plus yards against the Steelers. That wasn't happening early on when they were first seeing that cover two deep safety drop, right? I think they've learned more about what's going on. I think some of the wide receiver twos, a.k.a. Byron Pringle, has stepped up huge. They found a role for Mecole Hardman. Mecole Hardman was... I think almost rollless. They kept trying to throw him in as, the, as this wide receiver too. They're trying to use him as a Sammy Watkins. That's not him. They're starting to use him more in unique situations, and I think that's worked. Again, my my main takeaway is Spags is going to do stuff much differently than we saw the first time around. Let's let's move forward with this. I know we're waiting on Patrick to come back, but I know we were going to talk about the Chiefs offense next how they were going to attack Matt I'd love to get your perspective having watched the game you know three times alone in the last week yeah um what's we're talking about defensive differences with the guys who are coming back but offensively what does that mean for them heading into uh this game that's different this time around I just think in this game if you're the Chiefs if they're going to back if they're going to back Hyde and Poyer up and they're going to play 15 yards off the line of scrimmage which is what they did almost the entire game against Kansas City the first time to me, they're their two best defensive players with White out. Their safety tandem is awesome. And if, if the Bills are going to back those guys up, I'd basically eliminate them from the game if I were the Chiefs. Say, fine, throw underneath, run after the catch, going to run the ball with McKinnon. I think the Chiefs' biggest advantage in this game is up front. I think the Chiefs can just maul them up front. I do. I, look, the, the Bills' best player in terms of a pass rush is Mario Addison, who's been limited all week with a shoulder injury. He had seven sacks this year. He may or may not play. He was in a sling after the game against New England. If he does play, how healthy is he? I think the Chiefs should be able to win the battle up front. If they can't, they're going to lose. I believe Kansas City, you'll see more of the screen game. you know. And, and the Bills, one thing I noticed in that game, and this is not just the Bills, a lot of teams do this against the Chiefs, they drop immediately immediately when the Chiefs would snap the ball and any kind of a pass, they would drop, the linebackers would drop, they'd get depth. The corners a lot of times would be off coverage. To me, if you're the Chiefs, you want to do that, then run the screen game. It's easy yards. It's a, it's a head start. Let those those offensive linemen who are such great athletes, I'd let them get out in front and, and, and take care of business. So I think there's that. I also think in this game, look, 
if the Bills are going to play off like that, I mean, just let it let it rip underneath. Let guys run. Let Kelsey try to break a tackle. Um, but don't. But and I'll leave it at this. Don't shy away from if you feel like you can challenge down the field. Do it. Like you have to still be who you are to some extent. But I think I think Kansas City really can win this game by playing underneath, by allowing the offensive line to win. And then if you want to take a shot, look, you hope that you hold up for three, four seconds up front, and maybe you run some combo routes where you flood one side of the field and overwhelm zone coverage. You know, you 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 do some of those things where you look for pockets 12 to 15 yards down the field. I think the Chiefs can do it, but it starts up front. And I think their offensive line is a big mismatch in this game that they can exploit. Hey, I'll throw this in. I You know, I, Matt brought up their safety tandem and I think they are. They're, they're the most underrated safety tandem in the league. They're great. I think they're playing even better now than they were in week five. Yep. So that needs to be said in terms of how they've changed. But when they lost Trey White, I'm looking at uh, Taron Johnson. I'm looking at Levi Wallace. I'm thinking their corners. When was the last time the Buffalo Bills played a, an offense with a wide receiver like Tyreek Hill? I'm looking at their schedule. They play the Falcons without Ridley. They've been playing like... Jamison Crowder and the Jets or the the Patriots. They play Michael Pittman and and the Colts. I mean, the only receiver that remotely is as dangerous or near to the point of like what Tyreek brings is Mike Evans. Yeah. And they lost that game against the Bucks. So, you know, even as the even as the Bills have looked good, the reality is they haven't faced a dynamic, versatile passing attack. Um, or haven't faced many of them at all since the last time this team played. Without Trey White, I think there's something to challenge there and go, hey, yeah, you guys have won five in a row, but you haven't played someone this dynamic and well-rounded who can challenge that vertically, even with their safeties. Well, let me just quickly add, because you brought up a great point, and and I've been complimentary to the Bills all year. Even when a lot of people thought the Bills were in the tank and they weren't going to win the division, I've said all year long, I thought the Bills would still win the division. I like the Bills a lot. I think they're really good. They have played two above-average quarterbacks all year. Mahomes, who they beat, give them credit, they shut the Chiefs down, and Brady. And the Brady game was in early December. The Bucs had 488 yards of offense in that game. Scored 34 points, threw for 351 yards. Okay, and Antonio Brown didn't play in that game. You know, so what they didn't even have their full complement. Listen, the Bills statistically have a really good defense, but I do wonder in this game what it looks like. Here are the quarterbacks, the Bills, other than Mahomes and Brady, who I just listed. Okay. Here are the quarterbacks the Bills defense has faced this year. Tua Tagovailoa, twice, Zach Wilson, twice, Mac Jones, twice, Carson Wentz, Ryan Tannehill, Davis Mills, Trevor Lawrence. Ben Roethlisberger, who they somehow lost to. I'll never understand that. Taylor Heineke, Cam Newton, Matt Ryan, uh, who am I? Oh, uh, Trevor Simeon. Okay. <laughs> I mean, that's the list of quarterbacks. Jesus. That's the list of quarterbacks. Um, like, we're literally, they faced two, uh, like, like, I would say a top 12 quarterback, two guys. Now, they shut the Chiefs down in week five. And you give them all the credit. And everybody keeps saying, we were playing like crap then. No, the, the offense wasn't. Now, the offense started playing like crap in the Bills game for about a month. But before that Bills game, they played the Eagles, where they hung 42 on and didn't punt. The Chiefs did not play well in that game. But if you go watch the film of that game, there are guys underneath. There are avenues to run all game. And the Chiefs just refuse to take them. They're going to have to be patient in this football game at times. Maybe not the whole game, but at times. I think if they can do that, they'll be okay. But the Bills' defense, I've seen so many people throw out all this. Well, they lead the league in yards per play. Well, shit, I'd hope so. Have you seen the quarterbacks they played? Right. I mean, 
they should be averaging two yards per play against. Nobody, nobody's played anybody. They lead the league in defensive DVOA and EPA, though. Just, just on that, they're, they're, if there's a stat you want, they lead the league in defensive DVOA and EPA. Yeah, I mean, look, they have played, and I see uh, you lost dropping in who the Chiefs have played. Pal, I would argue this Herbert, they played and lost. They also played Herbert and beat him and held him to 250 yards passing. Okay. Derek Carr, beat him twice. Say whatever you want. Do, you go through the rankings. He's a top 12 quarterback in the league. Now, I'm not saying he's great. Played Dak, held him to nine points. Okay. I get he didn't have Cooper, had everybody else, held him to nine points. You go through and look. Now, they also played Jackson, lit him up. They played Herbert, as we mentioned, lost to him. Allen lit him up all those games earlier, but fair enough, right? They lost him. My point is, I'm not defending any of those games. She just didn't play one of those games, but I am saying, like, this idea that the Bills defense is an unstoppable juggernaut. They have played nobody except for two teams. And by the way, if you want to Tannehill in there, the Titans scored in the mid 30s in that game and won. Okay, so it's not as though the Bills have been a shutdown unit and they've only one time played without White in a game against a good team and the Bucs beat him and went for 500 yards in the game. So, look, I do think the Bills are a very good football team. I think they're very well coached. Leslie Frazier is an excellent defensive coordinator, might even be a head coach here next year. Like, that team is going to play above its talent level because of how well it runs its scheme. But, yeah, I mean, let's be honest. Yes, they have played a schedule where I think the Bills would tell you has been very advantageous to their defense. That's just a fact. If you look at the Bills, you you can run on these guys. And that's the, the big question I have for you guys as far as the offensive attack for the Chiefs, the Chiefs were able to run on them a little bit in the first game, but it didn't matter because it just things went south really quickly. Matt Connor, do you think if if what is required of this of the Chiefs in this game is that they run the football, keep the Bills' defense off balance, neutralize the pass rush a little bit, will the Chiefs actually do it? Yeah, I really like the Chiefs' chances here. I I, um, I think I like the Bills' front line maybe more than others here, in, even in this chat. Uh, the, the Bills lack that big sack artist. Like, there's no T.J. Watt here. There's not even a Chris Jones or, or something. But they've developed, like, good young depth who have gotten better as the season has gone on. And so, it you know, it's headed up by Mario Addison, who I think has like seven sacks as a team leader. That doesn't sound all that great. But the reality is they they roll rotationally really deep. They can keep their guys really fresh. And even the guys coming into the field, you know, as rotational guys are really solid. The Chiefs are too, for that matter, though. Mike Dana and and uh, and other, Turk Wharton, for that matter, had a hell of a game, you know, and he's a rotational guy. So um, these are two teams deep in the trenches, especially on the defensive side. Um, yeah, I, I think they're going to be a little bit tougher up front than maybe what the numbers would say. I also think the Chiefs are capable of doing exactly what you said. Verderam, are we going to see a big game from Jarek McKinnon? I think if the Chiefs win, you're going to see a big game from one of these running backs. And I don't mean it, it doesn't mean they got to go for 150, but they're going to have to be involved. Like, I think if you're the Chiefs, you, you know, it, it, that means a passing game too with them, like swinging a ball out to the backs, getting the ball. Like, I, I would, I would say this in this game. The Chiefs, if they can beat the Bills with Hill and Kelsey all night, the Bills are going to get blown out. I honestly feel that way. If the Bills cannot limit those guys, it's going to be a bloodbath in this game. I think the Bills are going to do whatever they can to limit those guys, which is why I say that. So my point is, if if the Bills are doing what they can to take those guys out of the equation, and the Chiefs are still rolling with them, then I think it's it's over. I think the Chiefs have to win this game with yes, those guys making their plays, of course, but also it's got to be McKinnon, and it's and it's got to be Hardman having at least just, you know a couple big plays in the game, and Pringle making a big catch. I mean, if you look at the wild card round now, the, the Steelers are not the the Bills. I'm not equating, but like they got a lot. The Chiefs got production from Demarcus Robinson. They got they got a touchdown, two touchdowns from Pringle. 
you know, they got, they had other guys, McKinnon, of course, stepping up and playing really well. And the Bills are really good. Like the Bills are a really, really good football team. The Chiefs need complimentary pieces. But, you know, the same is true the other way for Buffalo. Like if Diggs is the only guy who goes off in this game, they're losing. Like both these teams need their quote unquote depth pieces to play really well. And I don't look, and, and I agree with Action Jackson, who's, who's the resident Bills fan, who's here all the time, who I appreciate. He's right. Like in the end, all this stuff, look, we're all using it as analysis because it's what we have to go off of, like what happened in the regular season. These two teams are so close. It's just going to come down to who executes better on Sunday, who gets lucky, who gets a ball that gets tipped up in the air and picked off. Like that kind of stuff is probably what's going to decide this game. I would be surprised if this game is a blowout. I would be. I don't think the Bills are winning by 18 points again. I don't think we're going to see a repeat of the AFC title game. I think this game is going to be nip and tuck, and it's going to come down to who executes better. Yeah, and I see some Bills fans in the uh, not not our not our guy Axon Jackson, but some other Bills fans in the chat that are super confident. I've seen them on Twitter and stuff. I've seen Chiefs fans the same way. Look, if you think if you're out here right now thinking your team, you're just super confident your team's going to blow out the other team, you're crazy. You're <laughs> you're living in dreamland, and I mean that if you're a Chiefs fan or if you're a Bills fan, is it possible these two teams are so dynamic on offense? Could one of them blow the other one out? Absolutely. They're that dangerous. They have that many weapons. But if you think that that's a guarantee that the Chiefs are going to blow out the Bills or that the Bills are going to blow out the Chiefs at Arrowhead, you you, you better stop dreaming. Um, listen, Travis Kelsey has averaged 84.6 career yards per game in the playoffs. Only Steve Smith Sr. has has averaged more yards with a minimum of 10 games in the playoffs. Mahomes has 105.1 career passer rating in the postseason, which is the highest of any quarterback with five-plus starts since the 1970 merger. These guys are good. On the other side, Josh Allen's averaged 63 rushing yards in three career head-to-head matchups with Patrick Mahomes, including the playoffs. That's really great, great for a quarterback. On the downside for the Bills, they're 0-3 in road playoff games under Sean McDermott, 3-0 and at home. So just some interesting stats for you. These teams are they're dangerous, they're dynamic, and I think it's going to be a slugfest on Sunday. I'm going to be there. I'm fired up about that. Sterling Holmes, what do you think? How do you think the Chiefs offense is going to attack in this one? So traditionally, what Andy Reid has done has been through the air, but one of the few times he was pounding the rock was actually against the Bills. What was that, two years ago with Clyde Edwards-Alaire? His best game as a Kansas City Chief. Now, who knows if Clyde's even going to be playing in this game or if he is, what his snap count is going to be. But if Andy Reid shows the restraint in this game that says, we don't have to blow the top off. We can slow things down a uh, a little bit. We can take things as they come, what they're given to us. I think the Chiefs will have a lot of success. I I truly believe that. I think Jared McKinnon has shown he can be that guy. I know it's a small sample size. I get that, but he looked so electric. The fact that he was willing to go and initiate contact, and he has the breakaway speed. If they're going to play that cover two, if they're going to keep those safeties back, I think the Chiefs will and have a lot of success doing it, running the ball with Jarek McKinnon. I got some more some more nuggets for you guys that I think are interesting. This is the first playoff game in NFL history featuring two quarterbacks to throw five-plus touchdowns in their previous playoff game. That's really interesting. Start, since we're talking offense, the Chiefs have averaged 32.2 points per game in the postseason with Patrick Mahomes as quarterback, which is the highest by a starting quarterback in NFL history with a minimum of five starts. So if you're playing the, the, the Chiefs in the playoffs, the exception of, 
the Super Bowl, unfortunately, last year, you could expect that the Chiefs have a good shot of putting up 30 points on you. So you better be ready to score. And if the line is any uh, is any indication in this one, Vegas expects this game to be with both teams scoring over 25 points, which is uh, pretty exciting. It's going to be over 50 points. And I'll give you one more why the Chiefs should be a little bit scared of the Bills. The Bills are the eighth team since 1970 to win 12-plus games by 12-plus points in a season, including the playoffs. Each of the previous seven teams went on to win the Super Bowl that season. So when you have an offense as, as, as devastating as the Bills' offense can be, you win the Super Bowl. Um, let's talk about the defenses now, and, and specifically the Chiefs' defense trying to deal with this dynamic Bills' offense. I'm going to start with you, Matt Connor. How do the Chiefs slow down because it just seems like right now the bills are firing on all cylinders josh allen's just killing it he can do no wrong and when he runs he's 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 deadly when he throws he's deadly what how do you how do you approach this game if you're the chiefs is it try to keep josh allen in the pocket keep him from running is it keep him from throwing make him run the football like what's what's your opinion on how they should approach this game i I think a lot of this goes back to our conversation about willie gay right you know like i think his presence at the second level um which is what they were in you know envisioning for a moment like this he was injured last offseason and now um you know now we've got questions again but i mean if there was any single person we even asked this on a previous podcast like who's your at postseason sort of x factor and i said willie gay i like i was so excited to see what he was going to do for a game just like this so without him you know it's a little worrisome then you take rashad fenton in the equation if hitchens has a back injury all that stuff the heart of the, the heart of the defense um becomes a little thin a little suspect if you will i think it's important to note you know the bills normally were were not running the ball well at all and the truth is at least in the last few weeks they've really shifted away from a tandem approach they're going heavy on on giving singletary more carries than he had in uh, in the previous three months and they're getting good results for the most part with that um instead of the committee approach going with the hot hand so allen can run the ball singletary is running the ball that facet of their offense may be greater than what it was the first time around. I think you have to tackle. You have to wrap up, especially with guys like Josh Allen. I mean, he's huge. That's a big dude coming at you. You're going to have to tackle guys like Tyron Matthew. I think Tyron Matthew is going to have a good game here for the simple reason that this is the big stage. And if you want to get paid to be the highest safety in the, in the NFL, this is when you have to show up, Right. No more flailing, no more making business decisions, hit them hard. So I think Tyron Matthew shows up on the biggest stage. And, and then Nick, guys like Nick Bolton, Nick Bolton is a great downhill, north-south runner, tackler. I think he does a great job getting Devin Singletary. But to me, the key has to be when you have a guy there, finish, wrap up, and get the tackle, get it done. So, look, I think sometimes football, like we were – whatever, we're paid to analyze it, so we sit here and we do that. But I think sometimes statistics, and we've given a lot of them, I've given a lot of them, like this game is going to be a game in a lot of ways about physicality, and it's going to be about emotion, but it's also going to be about channeling that emotion. Here's an amazing stat by Pro Football Reference, and I'm sure at every outlet it's a little different because you're trying to give a different, I don't know what the word would be, it's it's different standards, I guess, for everybody. The Chiefs have the fifth least missed tackles in the NFL. That blew my mind. I feel like early in the year the Chiefs couldn't tackle anybody. Fifth least, according to pro football reference. I believe they had 95 missed tackles. They're going to have to tackle very well in this game. 
Josh Allen is not only a running quarterback, he is a big boy. You're not you're not going to leg tackle him. You're going to have to hit him. Um, and he's and listen, I'm not I'm not saying, of course, you know, with any malice or anything, you're going to have to hit him. They're going to you're going to have to bring him down. They run they run QB sweeps. They run QB draws. Going to have to going to have to get home and uh, and and get through blockers to to drive Allen to the ground and and make sure that he's not getting yards after contact and all that stuff. But this is. This is going to be a game that I think, look, if you watch week five again, if anybody wants to put themselves through that, the Chiefs just were not ready physically for that game. They weren't. The Bills just physically took it to Kansas City. The Chiefs, frankly, it's a it's a taboo word in the NFL. They were soft in that game. You go back and watch it. The Chiefs just got their asses kicked. They are going to have to physically go after Buffalo in a way that we've seen them do in past playoff games. In fact, I thought last year in the AFC title game, I thought the Chiefs to some extent intimidated them in that game. I mean, early on, Breland took two penalties against Diggs, and Diggs was just a race in the end. He was playing hurt. All that's true. But they're going to have to go after the Bills with a physicality they didn't bring in week five. You know, I think you've got to, you've got to ratchet that up. And I, and I expect both teams to be very physical in this game. I, I have seen so many predictions, 40 to 37. And I, there is, I do not think that is going to be the way this game goes. I, I think it's going to be much more of a 27-24 type game. Where there's a lot of physicality, and I'll, one other thing, who's better in the red zone? Like that's it, and that speaks to physicality. Like when you get down there, you've got to be able to make the tackle and not give up extra yards and and win in a one-on-one battle. And it's going to be a ton, a ton of the part of who wins the football game. I agree with you, man. I, I really think physicality and momentum are going to be a big difference maker in this game. If you remember when these teams played in the in the playoffs last year, remember how frustrated and pissed off the Bills were? The Chiefs were smacking them in the mouth. Remember Josh Allen getting sacked and laying there and throwing the ball? I can't remember whose face he threw it into. Like throwing Chris a little Jones, bit right? on the ground. It was Chris Jones. Yeah. So like that's what you want if if you're either of these teams, right? That's what you want to accomplish to the other team's offense. Both of these offenses rolled in their last game. They were like a hot knife through butter. The Chiefs took them a little longer to get going. But once they did, it was crazy. And I think in a game like this, if you can come out early, if you're the Chiefs defense and you can punch the Bills in the mouth and they meet resistance for the first time in a while, like they did in that Jaguars game that they lost nine to six, right? It it, it just sort of, it it starts to build on itself. And it's like, ah, crap, we can't get going. We can't get going. And then they start to get frustrated and then they start pressing. So I think the beginning of the game defensively is huge for the Chiefs. And I really want to see them come out Punch Buffalo in the mouth. And I've seen two types of Chiefs defense this year. Uh, They've been either ultra aggressive, flowing to the ball, running downhill, dominant, or they've been super tentative, letting ball carriers run to them, backing up, giving up huge chunks in the running game. I think how they start is really important for this team. And when they don't start well, they don't tend to play well. Like they don't turn it around in halftime and like just put down a, a dominant performance. So I think I think starts huge for them. I think being aggressive is huge for them and gaining momentum. What do you think, Sterling? I yes, you have to start off quick, and that's actually kind of my next point. Andy Reid's teams typically start off quick in the regular season. The first, what is it, 15 plays are typically scripted and they typically are very successful. But for some reason, that success hasn't typically translated come playoff time. Do you guys think there's some reason for that? Is he uh, less aggressive in the playoffs? Is he more conservative, not wanting to give up the big play? What's your guys' take on the lack of success typically early on for Kansas City come playoff time? I don't know. How, I mean, I think I think sometimes you know they, they, they take a little bit to settle in. I don't know why that is. They can't do that this week. They'll lose. I don't I don't think that's a genius take. But I 
I also, I'm a big believer, and I wasn't always like this, but the more I watch football, the more we cover it. Every game is unto itself. It just is. I think sometimes people get so like, and I'm not saying you're wrong at this because you're right. There's a pattern of it, but there's always like these like, well, look, look how, you know, this game happened last week and look at what does that mean? Like I've seen so many people talk about how these two teams played over the weekend and what it means for this weekend. And my answer to that is it doesn't mean shit for either one of them. It, the Chiefs blowing out Pittsburgh doesn't mean the Chiefs are going to score 40 points this week. The Bills blowing out New England, it's a great win. It has nothing to do with playing Kansas City. They're two different teams. It's a different setting for Buffalo. Uh, I saw Josh Allen had a quote. This is from a while back. Uh, it was before the Week 5 game. He said he thought Arrowhead Stadium was the toughest building he ever played in. There were 10,000 people at that game. Like, you know, it's going to be like 76,000 people. I mean, it's a different deal. Now, he, of course, played against 76,000 week five and killed him. So, but my, but that's kind of even more to the point. Like every game, it's so much in the NFL is about game plan. It's about execution. You know, if, if it takes Allen a quarter to figure out what Spagnuolo is doing, that might be the game. Like, it might be 14 nothing at that point. The same is true the other direction. I think it's going to be a fascinating game of chess. McDermott was, was a coach under Andy Reid in Philadelphia. They know each other very well. Both these teams are going to have confidence. They've both beaten each other. Look, the Chiefs have what the Bills want. They want to get to the Super Bowl. They want to be the big dog in the AFC. And guess what? They're damn good. They might do it. And I think, you know, I think a lot of Chiefs fans don't respect the Bills. It's like, well, they haven't done it. Well, the Chiefs hadn't done it until two years ago. The Bills are really good. That being said, I do think the Chiefs are more talented. I do think the Chiefs, in most of the position groups on the field, are are the better team. But they've got to execute in a way that they did not in Week 5. But again, that was Week 5. Just like I don't care if the Bills lost to Jacksonville. I don't care. You think you think the Bills are going to be in the huddle? Like, man, you know, we lost to Jacksonville back in October. <laughs> Nobody cares. There's nothing to do with anything. What matters is Sunday night, 5.30 Central, who plays better for three hours? It's true. Think that You don't think the Bills are going to be in the huddle thinking about at least flashing glances of Trevor Lawrence's beautiful golden locks? They're not going to be just be a little bit thinking about that? Uh, Every <laughs> Subway right, commercial. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Like Matt Connor's beautiful, beautiful locks. Um, let's let's get to our, our keys to victory as we pass the hour mark. We, we thank you all for hanging with us and hitting that thumbs up button on YouTube and checking out. We had some new subscribers. It's been awesome. Keys to victory. Let's start with you, Sterling. Your key to victory for the Chiefs in this one. Ooh, I'm going to go with Spags and the defense. Whether that's Dan Sorensen not getting burnt this time around, whether that's getting pressure on Josh Allen, whether that's Tyron Matthew wrapping up, tackling, I still feel like you can get in Josh Allen's head, and that's going to be the key here, is is Spags able to fluster Josh Allen? What was it two years ago when it looked like he dropped acid in a game and had no idea what was going on? And then against the Patriots last week, he was literally perfection. Is there a way to bring back some of those previous playoff woes, some of those this moment is too big? Verderam touched on it, 76,000 fans in a playoff game at Arrowhead. Can you get and fluster Josh Allen? Who's next? I'll go. Um, go ahead, man. Go ahead. I, I mean, I, you know, I don't want to oversimplify it and say that much of what we're talking about really doesn't matter, but I, but I think in a way that's true because I would say any key to the game is whether Patrick Mahomes – can work the magic that we all know that Patrick Mahomes can work in the postseason. He's the best player on the field. These are both deep teams. These are both well-coached teams. Josh Allen is a top-five quarterback that most NFL teams would love to have. But the reality is, even among his peers, 
there's no equal to what Mahomes can do when Mahomes is on. And so if Mahomes is doing his thing, working his magic, that I, I, that's it. That's the game. So to me, it's, it's you know, what, if they're taking away the deep part of the field, can Mahomes look comfortable, put together the methodical drives that he has in games? You know, like a, like a, a week ago, right? It was like um, a couple turnovers, three punts. It was like 72 yards in the first five drives. Then it was over. 76-yard drive, 74-yard drive, 68-yard drive, 80-yard drive. Mahomes just owning, uh, you know, and then we've seen all the stats about how great that that run of scores were, you know, in like 10-something minutes. So, you know, to me, it, be, it begins and ends there. It's it's all on Mahomes. I want to give you the last word on this, Verderim. Um, I agree with you, Matt Connor. I think it's a good playoff that, dude, this is about the Chiefs offense for me. It's not. It's not about the Bills' offense. It's not about the Chiefs' defense. It's about the. It, it's about the Chiefs' offense when they're playing. Like Matt Connor just said, at the top of their game, they're unstoppable. But the problem with this offense, and we've seen it over the years with with Mahomes, is that sometimes they're a little hot and cold. And when they're cold, when they're playing a team like the Bills, if they do what they did against the Steelers and get off to a slow start, they could find themselves down by a lot of points. We don't want to see that. We want to see the Chiefs the devastating Chiefs, the spirit-breaking, spirit-killing Chiefs that once they just start, it's just like, it's over. It's over. And you know you're not going to be able to stop them for the rest of the game. So they have to be consistent. And it, I, I put it all on them. They need to come out and they need to score like the first four times they have the ball. They just need to do that. They need to go down and score touchdowns. I know that's a tall order uh, to ask of an NFL team and a playoff playing a good opponent. But I think that's their key to victory is go out there, execute on offense, no monkeying around, no coming out and going three and out to start the game, taking a quarter and a half to get your jitters out. Go out there. You're the Kansas City Chiefs. You have Patrick Mahomes, Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey, and Andy Reid. Go out there like and play like you're capable of playing and execute. And I think if they do that, the Bills will just it, – it, it's over. I, I think it'll break their spirit. And Verderim, I will turn it over to you. This year, when Josh Allen has been sacked at least three times, the Bills are one and four. The Chiefs need to get pressure. He's also, statistically speaking, one of the worst quarterbacks in the league this year facing the blitz. He was not last year. He was excellent facing the blitz last year. He has really struggled this season. He is much better, much better when teams don't blitz. He's one of the rare elite quarterbacks who this year, and I think part of the reason is the Bills' offensive line, while it has played better down the stretch, is not the strongest part of that unit. And if and if you can if you can blitz effectively, you can get immediate pressure. The Bills also don't have a, a system of checkdowns like like the Chiefs have built in. It's just not the way they play. It's more of a vertical passing game uh, where the Chiefs have kind of modified the way they played. Obviously, the Chiefs love to get vertical, but because of the way teams have played them, the Chiefs have kind of made that adjustment over the course of the year. They have Kelsey, who's that ultimate hot read, right? They know how to break off those, those routes. I think the Chiefs have to get pressure in this game. They have to. And if you remember in the AFC Championship game, they blitzed him relentlessly. They just went after him and after him, and I think they're going to have to do that again. The Bills' offensive line has been better, but it is not a unit. Like, to me, Spencer Brown, their right tackle, I like him. I think he's going to be good. He's a rookie. Melvin Ingram has to win that battle one-on-one. -on -one. Chris Jones has to be able to win against either of the guards one-on-one. -on -one. Okay, Frank Clark, Deion Dawkins is a really good matchup. Dawkins is a good player. He can win that matchup. The Chiefs have to be able to win. And also, the one thing I don't think people always think about, when you blitz and you show blitz pre-snap, pre you force the offensive line to declare who they're blocking before the ball's snapped. You can then monkey, you can screw around with that a little bit after you can play games up front, do different things. Now, the, now the risk is if you blitz him, 
you better do it in a way where you keep your rush lanes because if he gets out of the pocket, you got a big problem, okay? You have to be able to blitz effectively. But Allen has been, statistically speaking, this year, this isn't an opinion, it's fact. He has not been good against the blitz. He has struggled mightily at times against it. And look, his game against New England, like I've said on this podcast, one of the greatest games I've ever seen a team play. He was a big part of it. 21-25, 308, five touchdowns, no picks. I mean, you can't play better than that. The other games this year, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go back to including um the New England game, the first game where it was a wind tunnel. The Buccaneers game, and I'm just talking about throwing the ball. Running, he ran for 109 yards in that game. He threw 54 times against Tampa for 308 yards, two touchdowns, and a pick. But he was great late in the game. You're, like I said, ran for over 100 yards. Against Carolina at home, 19 to 34, 210 yards. Completed 56% of his passes. Three touchdowns and a pick. Uh, only ran for 24 yards. Against New England, played a very nice game. It was his best game in December, 30-47, 314, three touchdowns. The following week against Atlanta, 11 of 26, 120 yards, no touchdowns, three picks. Against the Jets, 24-45, of 53% completion rate, 239 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. The reason I reel those off, Allen's highs are very, very high. He can do a lot of things Mahomes can do. He's also much more inconsistent than Mahomes. There are a lot of games this year where he has not played well. If the Chiefs can get pressure on him in this game, I think they can force him into a few mistakes. He's fumbled eight times this year. Somehow the Bills have recovered five of them. Okay, I think if you're the Chiefs and you get pressure, you have a very, very, very good chance to win the game. Well said, well said. All right, let's... Get, we got one listener review to get to, and then we're going to get to our final score predictions for Chiefs versus Bills divisional round. Appreciate you all hanging with us. This one comes from uh, Storig22 from Tuesday. Top notch. Thanks to all of you for what you do. Patrick, uh, you may indeed be saving lives in ways you do not know. With all the negative in the media and the world, watching, listening to you guys has been a very healthy breath of fresh air. Would love to hang with you someday. Hey, likewise, everybody. We, we appreciate it. This comes off of us having a conversation about some of the really kind messages we've gotten from people and about how the podcast helps them through some tough times. So if that's done it for any of you, we appreciate it. It certainly has helped us through some tough times as well on this show. Um, all right, let's get to our final score predictions. This feels like a big one. This feels like a big one because I... I feel really good about the Chiefs' chances in the AFC Championship game, but I don't want to get ahead of ourselves. Let's start uh, Let's start with you this time, Bertram. How do you think this one pans out? Okay, so listen, I've gone over. I think these games are going to be really good. By the way, I've seen already a handful of people, and I, thanks for being in the chat. Oh, he, he, all those games were in bad weather. Was the Miami game in week two in bad weather? Because he was terrible in that game, too. He was terrible against Pittsburgh. He was terrible. He was terrible against Jacksonville. Like, guys, he, he's had a lot of games this year. He's not played well. Now, he's he's great, but come on. I mean, some bad weather. By the way, you play in Buffalo? Yeah, sometimes, like, bad weather and stuff. It's like it's like being a Dolphins quarterback and saying he's not good in humidity. Well, he better learn how to be. I mean, that, that's part of the deal. That being said, I think the Chiefs are going to win the game. I, I think it's a good game. I think it's tough. I think it's Chiefs 30, Bills 24. I do not think Kansas City is going to run away with this game, but I think – of all the advantages either team has, and the Bills have some, the Chiefs have some, I think the Chiefs are, are going to win the battle up front on both sides of the ball. I think the Chiefs' D-line is better than Buffalo's offensive line, and I think the Chiefs' offensive line is a major strength against Buffalo's defensive front. Oliver is a very good player. He's played better lately. The Bills have played better up front. 
But Oliver and, and their other D tackles are going to be going against the law firm of Smith, Humphrey, and Tooney, and nobody has given them problems this year. Nobody. They have handled everybody inside, it, and it allows uh, Mahomes to step up and step into throws. It allows him to slip out the side of the pocket if there's pressure off the edge. When they played earlier this year, the Bills got pressure off the edges. Mahomes was drifting a lot at the beginning of this year. We talked about that ad nauseum to start the season. He's not doing that anymore. I expected the Chiefs win. I do not think it is going to be an easy game. But I think Kansas City is the more talented team. And I also think it's really, really hard to beat a team twice in their own building. It just is. I think Buffalo can do it, but I'm taking Kansas City. Sterling? Yeah, I love that. I think it's going to be extremely uh, difficult. These are the two best teams in the AFC. Josh Allen, the Bills, they've found a lot more balance in recent weeks offensively. But you mentioned it best. As a, as a betting man, odds of an away team coming into Arrowhead and winning twice in one season, it just seems almost far-fetched. I'm going Kansas City 27. I'm going with the Bills 26. I think there'll be some good defensive plays. I think early on there will be a little feeling out period. But I think the new offensive line, like you mentioned, you spent so much capital, money, and draft picks on it. This is their time to shine. This should give Mahomes enough time back there. Whether they bring the blitz or not, they'll do a great job protecting him. And again, I think Jerick McKinnon and the run game will do enough to get it done. I like Kansas City 27-26 over the Bills. All right. And 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 I'm going to give Matt Connor the last word here. So I'm going to go next to, to play off you, Sterling. I have the exact same final score. So we're sharing oh. a brain and we're about to get together to drink alcohol at KC Beer. So that's going to be bad news for everybody out there. Chiefs 27, Bills 26. And the way I think this is going to go, it's late in the fourth quarter. The Chiefs are leading 27 to 20. Under 30 seconds to go. The Buffalo Bills score a touchdown. Sean McDermott's feeling himself. He goes for two. Tyron Matthew bats it down. Chiefs win 27-26. Patrick Allen is removed from Arrowhead Stadium on a stretcher because he has a heart attack in the middle of the two minute play, of the two point play never sees the outcome um, but watches the Super Bowl from heaven. All right, and Matt Connor. <laughs> hey, just a quick shout out. Thanks for the super chat there to D Money. We love the law firm of Tooney Smith and and Humphrey. We should get that on a T shirt, by the way. As for my pick, I'm going 31 27 Chiefs. And, and I'll say this: you can make a case for both teams. You know, we can rag on the Bills' schedule, say they haven't faced good quarterbacks, whatever. Bills fans can say the same thing about the Chiefs. We got the, we got the Packers without Aaron Rodgers, you know, key injuries all the time to, like, weapons, like when, when they played the Cowboys, etc. This is going to be sort of the, the, the bell, like, to ring for both teams. Like, whoever wins this game, this is the bell they'll ring about their chances to go forward even – past the AFC championship game. So I think both teams are just going to, I mean, both teams are going to give it their all knowing that they've still got some questions to answer for the way things have played out this season beyond their control. To me, it all comes down to Mahomes again. Like I said, I, I think this is going to be big, but, uh, but yeah, it's going to be close. I, I mean, we've talked for a, a minute for an hour and 25 minutes because this game is so loaded with storylines, talent, and, and, and good football it's going to be good football. By the way, really quick, we should get to Odella, who sent us a super chat earlier. I wanted to shout it out. Thank you very much. Asked, does Josh Allen has proven if he can come back from a big deficit in the playoffs? 
It's never had to, except for the AFC title game. Really, it's the only time you ever was down by big points. Obviously, they, they did not come back and win that game. Uh, it feels like a couple three and outs, and it's ball game. Look, I'll give I'll give one other real quick. Oh, and Action Jackson, our Bills fan, my man. Super chat. Thank you, dude. Appreciate you. It'll be a great game. Good luck to you guys. I'm not confident enough to say you'll need it, but let's hope for a good one. I think we're going to get a good one. The only way, and this is, I'll actually throw one extra one in here, guys. I think there's one way this game gets out of hand, and that's if one of these teams just flat out blocks the daylights out of the other one up front. Like, if Allen's got all day to throw the ball, he'll, he'll slice Kansas City up. And I don't think the Chiefs secondary can stop him. The flip side of that is if Mahomes is all day, Buffalo's not stopping him in this game. Like that is honestly if, if one if the one one of the lines and Buffalo's line was great week five. Now there wasn't Jones and Ingram and all that, but if, if one of these quarterbacks is all day, I think it I think it's gonna be a rough, rough go for the opposing defense. And then uh B Fiore dropping it in. Love it, guys. Thank you very much. Go Chiefs super chat. Thank you very much, everybody. Um, hell, we're gonna be back Sunday. Well, oh, some of us will be back Sunday. Some of us will be at the game selfishly. So it is what it is. Yeah, and I, I have an announcement to make. I have a really great first name and a really terrible last name for this game. So uh, <laughs> as of right now, I will not be going by Patrick Allen for the rest of the weekend. I will be going by Patrick Mahomes for the rest of the weekend. We'll see how that works out at the airport tomorrow when I'm when I'm checking in for my flight. But I refuse to use my own last name for the rest of the weekend and to honor our great quarterback and my trash last name. Can't can't be can't be going into Arrowhead Stadium with the last name Allen. I'm not gonna do it. So uh ceremoniously for the rest of the weekend, I am a Mahomes. I'm sure a lot of people will get confused when they see me in the stadium. They wonder why I'm not down there on the field. Dead ringer for the guy, but it is what it is. Thank you to uh uh B Fiori. Uh, for the super chat, love it, guys. Go Chiefs! Well, you guys have been awesome tonight. You've been so supportive. We appreciate you so much. Uh, it's it's been absolutely awesome. We'll be back on Sunday, like Verderam was saying. Some people will be for a uh, a post game show or a pre game show. There'll be a post game show, probably a halftime show. And yes, Mister Shump, I am going to look into whether or not I can log on to restream from the stadium after the game from my phone just so I can get a couple words in while everybody's screaming around me after the Chiefs win. But that's to be determined. I have to ask producer Richard if that's even a possibility. All right, everybody. Any final thoughts before for, for the for the addicts before we get out of here? Let's fucking go. All right, all right Tom. Love it. <laughs> any, uh, any, any, any? I think it's going to be a great game. Yeah, it is. It is. We've got, we got Jim Rome here, Matt Verderam, Matt Connor, Sterling <laughs> Holmes, and Patrick Mahomes. As you can see, the name has been changed. Producer Richard never misses a trick. Thank you, everybody, so much for your support. Hit the thumbs up button on your way out. Hit the subscribe button. And we will see you for the pregame show on Sunday. But until then, go Chiefs. I'll see you guys on the other side.